0: Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver, Arizona Cardinals. Played 17 seasons in the NFL from 2004 to 2020. Drafted third overall in the 2004 NFL Draft by the Arizona Cardinals. Played for that team his whole career. Hall of Fame receiver. And had one of the greatest runs in NFL playoff history. I'm here with Mikey. We're going to talk about it. The 2009 playoff run by Larry Fitzgerald and the Arizona Cardinals all the way to the Super Bowl as a 9-7 and team. So, I'm Kyle. Let's talk about it. Alright, so first thing i said right there mikey right played 17 seasons in the nfl all with the cardinals um just just retired i don't even think did they release him or did he retire which came first i think he retired right
1: uh i'm not even sure if he is actually retired retired
0: i just know he's not on the
1: team i think he's just a
0: free agent which is odd um So, he was drafted third overall in the 2004 draft, only behind Eli Manning, who was drafted by the Chargers, but immediately traded to the Giants, and Robert Gallery, an offensive tackle from the Raiders out of Pittsburgh. Um, You look at that draft, and it's a pretty stacked top end of the draft. I mean, seven of eight picks were Pro Bowlers, and four of the first five picks were Eli uh, Fitz, Philip Rivers, and Sean Taylor were four of the first five picks. The only person that was not a Pro Bowl of the four of those five, Robert Gallery, who coming out had a 9.0 draft prospect rating, which is a perfect score, which why wouldn't they just make it 10? That's the perfect score. That is a little odd. Um, and he was quoted as being the best lineman to come out of college in years. Well, he wasn't. So Clearly not. Yeah, he, he struggled at left tackle but I guess had a decent career when they moved him to left guard, but nothing nothing incredible. But this podcast is not about him because in the grand scheme of things, he's an irrelevant player in NFL history. Fitzgerald, one of the greatest. From 2005 to 2011, he had 635 receptions, 8,835 yards, 65 touchdowns, and he missed the last three games of 2006. So that was his peak years 90.7 receptions 1200 yards 9.3 touchdowns um he had a real case to be on the all 2000s team he ended up getting the all 2010s team we'll talk about that but um he had a case but he was never gonna beat out i mean i think it was randy moss marvin harrison uh tory holt was one of them tory holt by the way something incredible that i saw just before we started this podcast there was a six-year stretch where he averaged 1,400 yards a season.
1: Yeah. it's oh, and, and he's not even in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, incredible peak stretch right there. 90.7 receptions a year is like, that's how many some receivers get in two years in the NFL. Um, and 1,200 yards speaks for itself. Uh So, not to get too far into things, because I feel like we haven't done enough to cover the back, the first part of his career, but there was a stretch of a couple years after Kurt Warner, um, and after Anquan Bolden left the team, and before Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians come in. It's a pretty grim scenario for the Cardinals and outside of Larry Fitzgerald. In the 2010, um, which is the year after Kurt Warner retired, uh, there were four different q- q- quarterbacks to start for the Arizona Cardinals, um, and they combined for 3,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 19 interceptions. That is combined. Four different starting quarterbacks. Larry Fitzgerald that year, 90 catches, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He accounted for more than a third of their receiving yards and more than 60% of their, receive- of their passing touchdowns, receiving touchdowns. That's incredible. That's insane. Like Yeah. Those quarterbacks like, were not good. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure John Skelton was one of the quarterbacks that started that year.
1: It was yeah. not good. No, it wasn't. And you got to think too like everybody knows the ball's going to Larry and right. he's still being productive. Right.
0: Yeah, it's I mean You see, they can double-team him, they can throw safeties over the top, they can press him at the line of scrimmage, and he was just going to get his yards And The touchdowns is the craziest part. The six out of ten receiving touchdowns. Because you get close to the goal line, and one other receiver on the Cardinals is going to catch the ball. Like, you know it's going to be him. And you're operating in such a short space right there, and he still manages to find a way.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, like, one of those crazy stats, like, the same thing with, like, a couple years ago, Matt Ryan didn't have a touchdown pass to, like, a wide receiver in the red zone or something. Yeah. And it's like, how, how does that even happen? Like, how, Chiefs, you, how, how is it just that terrible?
0: The Chiefs, I think, in, like, 2013, when they didn't throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver all year. Yeah. So, it's just one of those insane outlier stats that's just, I mean, it proves how great he was. Um, and I think the thing that's underrated about Fitzgerald in his career is that he started off as this deep threat that will like, you know, physical, you know, take the top off the defense. And he kind of, one of the smoothest transitions we've ever seen from a wide receiver in transitioning from the first part of the career to the later part of the career where he kind of transitioned into like this underneath guy, uh, you know, possession. Yeah. Possession first downs, that sort of thing. Really impressive, because we've seen from a lot of receivers that once it's gone, it's gone. You know, Calvin Johnson, we never even got to see him end his career, like like the ending stages of his career. And a lot of guys, like you see the slot guys, they stay slot guys, obviously. And then the deep threats, they just... I mean, look at what happened to Randy Moss once he lost it. You know, well, look, it, it was just gone.
1: Even uh, like people like Deshaun Jackson.
0: Right. Like, I mean, he, on a, yeah,
1: on a lower He's never scale. been able to evolve.
0: Yeah. And Fitz's evolution into that later stage. Super, super impressive. And I think it unmatched by anyone outside of, like, Jerry Rice, in that sense, I'm not saying he's the second greatest receiver of all time, but just as far as the the progression into the later stages of your career and still being able to be productive, Michael Irvin wasn't able to do it. Randy Moss wasn't able to do it.
1: And I think that shows, like, a lot of, like, like, it's hard to be a wide receiver. Like they don't have the same longevity that like quarterbacks do. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like quarterbacks can stay in the league for like 16 years plus like receivers usually have probably like a five year window where they're dominant. Then they fall off a little bit and then it's like, Oh, then they're just like a three guy. Like Larry Fitzgerald. Like I, I, It was the past like the last three years of his career, so twenty eighteen and on, like there was obviously a decline. But it's like yeah, I would still take him on my team. Right. No question. You'd still take
0: him on your team and that decline came fourteen years after the fact.
1: Yeah. And that's like unprecedented, really. Like you never see you never see a receiver that goes that long, that consistent, that productive. Like you just rarely see it. Right. Um,
0: and then I guess to move on to that, like you said, the, the 2018 is when his career really like we start to see a decline, but I mean, he's good up until that point. He was an 11 time pro bowler, one time all pro NFL 100 member, a 2016 Walter Payton man of the year, which is like maybe the most obvious award that he could get. Cause by all accounts, he's a great person off the field that, um, And the important one is an all 2010s team, which I mentioned earlier. He did make that team. The other receivers to make that team, Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Locks, right? You're not going to move any of those guys off the team. Calvin Johnson, one of the greatest receivers we've ever seen. Julio Jones had some incredible years. 2015 year where Julio Jones and Antonio Brown both had 1,500 plus yards on the season. Um, Two of the greatest wide wide receiver seasons of all time in the same year. Um, but the odd man out there is kind of Larry Fitzgerald, not to bring like a negative spin onto his accomplishments, but so in the 2010, so from 2010 to 2019, uh, Larry Fitzgerald averaged 85.5 receptions, thousand yards, about six touchdowns, and he had seven Pro Bowls in that time. Some other interesting candidates, I'm going to pose this to you, other candidates that could have made the team. Mike Evans from 2014 to 2019 when he was drafted 77 catches, 1200 yards, eight touchdowns, three pro bowls. So averages more touchdowns, more yards per season and has less catches per season than Larry Fitzgerald. Uh AJ Green drafted in 2011 from 2011 to 2018, 75.3 catches, 1100 yards, about eight touchdowns and seven pro bowls and he missed all of 2019 due to an injury. So that one year is completely off the table for A.J. Green, where he could have been productive. And then the last one I posed to you is DeAndre Hopkins, who drafted in 2013. So from 2013 to 2019, 90 catches, 1,200 yards, 7.7 touchdowns, and four Pro Bowls. Um, I think the strongest case of those is A.J. Green, just because he played the majority of the decade and had... I mean, more yards, more touchdowns, and the same amount of Pro Bowls. He only had less catches per year. But I think there's a case to be made that Larry kind of got that as almost a career achievement award. Because, like I said, his best case for an all-decade team was in the 2000s, actually, especially with those peak years that I mentioned earlier. I mean, like I said, those peak years he averaged, let's see, 90 receptions, 1,200 yards, and nine touchdowns, compared to in, 20, in the 2010s, where he averaged 85 receptions, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. So the 2010s oh. weren't even the best stretch of his career.
1: Yeah. And I'll pose another one to you. that I, I think if he played more, well, granted, he came in later, but Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, Odell, when he first came in the league, he was, each of his first three seasons, he had... 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns for the first three seasons of his career. He ended up with 5,476 yards and 44 touchdowns in only five years. Compare that to A.J. Green, who has about 3,000 yards more and 20, about 19 touchdowns more, but he played more of the decade. Like Odell, if he came in any earlier, I think he probably would have made that team.
0: Yeah, so I thought about Odell, and I just think that his later years in the decade where he was on Cleveland just weren't impactful enough to warrant that. And if we're talking, I mean, I don't want to bring playoff success into it because Larry Fitzgerald also didn't have a lot of playoff success after this run. Um, But none of that was really ever on him. Like, there was never a moment where you were like, this one, you know you know, Larry kind of let us down here. That wasn't the case. Odell, there is there is a specific play, playoff run I can think of where Odell let the team down. So I don't think Odell can be in the running, but his, the stretch that he had those couple years, we thought that he was going to be dominant. The next guy, right. Um, Another I one, don't really too. Think, I, don't, well, I don't really think Mike Evans has a chance on it, just because his teams were never good. He was the only kind of putting up uh, Kind of pillow stats. They're not really, there's nothing, there is no substance to them.
1: Yeah.
0: um And the three Pro Bowls compared to Fitzgerald's seven Pro Bowls hurts him. I think, I think I, it's, I think it's AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins have the best chance. I also think like Demarius Thomas too. Demarius I thought Thomas about, I thought about that him. Strategy. I felt like it was over too soon for him. Yeah. I understand Is that. that. Once, after 2015,
1: once Peyton retires, it falls off a cliff. I, I, will, I think A.J. Green would probably have the best case. Oh, well, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins. They both played with really average quarterbacks. Right. Like, A.J. Green had Andy Dalton. And DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins had a carousel of people. Like before Matt the Schwab, uh, T.J. Yates. Yeah. Brock
0: Osweiler. I think I think the only reason D Hop didn't get it was because there was a case to be made mm-hmm. at the time that he would very easily make it onto the all the all 2020s team when that comes out. Just because I mean, look how dominant he was up to that point. Yeah. This past year, I'm not really sure because it was not a great year for D Hop. But oh, he I think that he, I think I think that D Hop got the same kind of treatment that Larry did when he was going for the like All 2000s team, where it was like, oh well, he'll make the next one. So we don't really have to include him on this one because he'll make the next one. You know what I mean? Because yeah. DeHop plays, plays seven seasons, seven of ten seasons in the 2010s. Like, There's no reason for him not to be included, but I think yeah. just what Larry had done in his career and the fact that we thought DeAndre Hopkins will keep this going for enough years into the 2020s where he's in contention for the next one, I think that plays a role
1: in that. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, it, just looking forward and projecting. He's definitely a front runner for it. And, like, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, like, those are guys that you'd see on a future team
0: like that. Right. Now it's questionable, though, because we don't know if DeAndre Hopkins will... I mean, this year he looked kind of old, so we'll see. Um, His playoff resume, overall his career, Larry Fitzgerald, nine games, that's four runs in the playoffs, 57 catches, 942 yards, and 10 touchdowns. This would place him 29th in the league last year in terms of uh, receiving yards, I believe. So across nine games, he he would be the 29th leading receiver in the NFL. Across nine playoff games, these are supposed to be against the best of the best competition. He averages more than 100 yards a game and more than a touchdown a game. Like, he... Larry Fitzgerald was a guy where when you needed him to step up, he would step up. And there were... Yeah. This isn't the only run. There was another run later on in his career. Um it's Carson Palmer. With Carson Palmer, where they went to the NFC Championship game. And I think they lost to the Seahawks, I want to say. I think it was them or, like, the Niners or something. Yeah, oh, it was... I think it was the 49ers. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was... It, it's not just a one-off thing. Like, he's... There is a good argument to be made. Oh, here's the airport. <laughs> here's the plane. There's a good argument to be made that that Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most clutch receivers of all time. As far as when you need him to step up, he's gonna step up. You know, right, pro is Pro too.
1: He's a he's a lot like a like a Julian Edelman in that type, where it's like, you know, it, you just it's like third and short. You need to go to a guy ball is going there and you can't do anything to stop it and like I think if you could sum up one word for his whole career it'd be consistency because you knew what you were going to get every single time from Larry Fitzgerald no matter what
0: yeah so let's get to it the run the 2008-2009 NFL playoffs just some uh let's get to some characters here some characters on the Arizona Cardinals first of all we had head coach Ken, Ken Wisenhunt, who had one winning season after this year. He went 10 and 6 in 2009 with Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald running it back. Um, he was then hired as the Titans head coach from 2014 to 2015. He coached two seasons and went 3 and 20 as a head coach for the Tennessee Titans. So, yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. This was this was probably peak Ken Wisenhunt, I would that I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I was like when I saw it. I looked back and I was like, "Who's the that coach back I was Like, Bruce Arians was not around there yet. <laughs> I was like, Ken Wisenhunt? I was like, "Was he like terrible?" <laughs> and uh, sure enough, like, yeah, this guy was carried by Larry Fitzgerald and Kurt Warner, and that was his only success and then then the league was like all right we don't want anything to do with this guy ever again
0: yeah offensive genius ken wisenhunt there is a plane doing circles around my house right now um yeah offensive genius ken wisenhunt uh peak peak career one of the weirdest coaches to coach in a super bowl just you look back at the super bowls and you're like ken wisenhunt in a super bowl what
1: yeah Yeah, no, exactly, because it's like... Against you know, Mike always, Tomlin? Yeah, and, and it came like, down to the final minute. And strangely enough, it kind of feels like maybe Zach Taylor might be one of those this year because it's like the Bengals. The Bengals made the Super Bowl, and the Cardinals back then. It was like, Cardinals made the Super Bowl? Like, right. what is going on?
0: Um, So, offensive coordinator was Todd Haley, the beloved Todd Haley from the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, what was the other team he coached for after the Steelers I don't know I just feel like he oh, would be a sag guy I don't know he, he was uh, uh, notoriously didn't get along with anybody um, he parlayed this Cardinals offensive coaching uh, offensive coordinator gig into the Chiefs head coaching job where he went 19-26 and 26 over three seasons uh, starting QB for those Chiefs teams can you guess years uh the, so the three years after this so from 2009 to like 2011 ish
1: okay so this is probably before alex Smith was there. yes uh was it matt castle it was it was uh new
0: england patriots legend backup quarterback matt castle who I remember the only, the biggest memory I have of Matt Castle was nothing he did on the field, but someone telling me that Matt Castle could have been Drew Brees, given the right scenario. So uh, there's hey, that. Biggest Matt say, Castle
1: fan in the world, that guy. Matt Castle like went like fell off the face of the earth. He's been popping up a lot for me recently on Twitter. Dude's hilarious. Dude is great really Twitter good guy. at Twitter. <laughs>
0: great Twitter guy. Um, not a great quarterback. Had, a, had 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 one great two good seasons. Great. He had back. two good seasons. He had one where he was filling with Brady, where he was pretty good, um, but again, that was with a team that went seventeen or eighteen and zero the previous year, eighteen and one. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, you know, to go ten and six or eleven and five. I think it was eleven and five. Uh, let's say a disappointment for a team that went eighteen and one. Um, yeah,
1: but I feel like, and
0: then he had another good season with the Chiefs, or I think he had 26 touchdowns and like 10 interceptions or something like that. It was decent. Yeah,
1: and then after them, I think he went to like the Vikings or a little bit, something like that. Yeah, he, yeah, became, he became a backup. Like, was on the, and, like, a yeah, was on the Cowboys for a couple years. Christian
0: yeah, was on the Cowboys for a couple weeks, I should say. Um, but yeah, so not only does Todd Haley parlay this job into the Chiefs head coaching job, but Matt Castle parlays this. This is the season where Tom Brady got hurt. In the first game, and Matt Castle takes over and goes 11 and five and they miss the playoffs, he parlayed that into the chief's starting quarterback job, so those two two peas in a pod right there um tight ends coach for the Arizona Cardinals this year, none other than Freddie Kitchens, our guy Freddie from the Cleveland Browns head coaching fame
1: yeah God, and then he, what
0: an off season that was
1: and we become, all thought that-
0: wasn't he uh the Browns tight end coach too and then he was like head coach I think he was the Browns like the Browns quarterback coach or something like that and
1: yeah, then became it some... the
0: offensive coordinator and then became the head coach all in the span of like a year so what an off season that was absolutely electric where we thought the Browns would go you know people were hyping them up as if they were gonna go 16 and 0 and win the Super Bowl little yeah. did we know it's the Browns Freddy kitchens yeah, yeah and, it's, <laughs> and it's and it's Freddie Kitchens and it's Baker Mayfield and yeah but in an electric time, what a time to be alive in the NFL um quarterback, obviously Kurt Warner uh his second to last year in the league, and this is really his last real run at a Super Bowl because um, the next year I think they lose in the divisional round um yeah, so they lose to the Saints in the divisional round. And I think that's the year the Saints go to the super Bowl and they win the and they win the Super Bowl um but they went ten and six the next year, so they improved by one win um Pretty good ending to his career as far as statistics go, because in between the Rams and the Cardinals, there's a stretch where he's kind of just like there, but nothing's really going on. And then yeah. he gets named the starter for the Cardinals and turns out that was a great decision. You lead him to a Super Bowl and then a divisional round appearance. Turns out Kurt Warner's not washed. Um I mean Kenny Wiz. Yeah, offensive genius, <laughs> Kenny Wiz. Um yeah, but decent decent ending to his career, underrated ending to a quarterback career, Kurt Warner, going out on a playoff run, uh, a Super Bowl run, and then another pretty good playoff run there. Um, part of the reason that he had a pretty good ending to his career here, and especially this year, uh, wide receiver number two for the Arizona Cardinals, Anquan Bolden, yeah, who pretty good receiver in his own right. Imagine having a team with Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald in today's NFL, both in their and prime not,
1: and not winning a Super Bowl.
0: And not winning a Super Bowl. Um eighty-nine catches, one thousand thirty-eight receiving yards, eleven touchdowns this season. He missed four games. Yeah. He missed four games and had eighty-nine catches, over a thousand yards, and eleven touchdowns.
1: That's they, crazy. I mean, he has a the Cardinals kind of feel like one of those organizations that like Always somehow has ha- like good wide receivers. They're a lot yeah. like the Steelers in that regard because even before DeAndre Hopkins went to Arizona, like Christian Kirk's a good receiver. Like, he's yeah, he's decent. Good.
0: Rondale and, Moore like, this year is, is, should be pretty good in years to come. Um, yeah. yeah, he would have had his own little, um, Contention here for like a main, like a big playoff run. Had he not gotten hurt, and had Larry Fitzgerald not been there, because he's yeah. he had a, he put together a, a great season, underratedly great, because of how great Fitz was.
1: Yeah, um, it's like how much of that is because Fitz is there, because maybe Fitz is getting the double and he's in single most of the time. He's just good enough to beat it, but like, but then guy, he goes, he 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 had a good career after that too.
0: Right. So we'll get to this later, but Anquan Bolden, he ends up parlaying this into uh, the Baltimore Ravens' number one receiver and goes on another playoff run, wins a Super Bowl with them, I believe. I think he's on that Super Bowl team. Yeah, I think so. Um, him in like um, the year they win. Torrey Smith or whatever. Torrey Smith, I think was his name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great second receiver to have on your team. You'd be happy to have him. And then the third receiver, a little bit of a, of a, great wide receiver. I wouldn't say great, but a nice little wide receiver trio. Steve Breston, who I'm positive you have never heard of, because I had never heard of him. Uh, he was the third receiver, and he took the place of Bolden while he was injured. So, for a couple of games there, for the four games Bolden was out, he was the second receiver. 77 catches, 1,006 yards, three touchdowns. So, the, the Cardinals had three receivers that year go over 1,000 yards, which is, I think, has been done only, like, Four other times or six other times in NFL history, I remember seeing it. Um, yeah. It was funny because when he was covering for Bolden, he actually refused to enter the stadium with the starters. You know how they get called out from the tunnel?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, and they run out onto the field, all the starters. He refused to enter the stadium with the starters because he was, he was said he was still a backup and wanted to hold Bolden's place in the starting line lineup. So he so 10 people would run out on the field for the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Breston would just wait for the backup still to all run on the field because he didn't want to he didn't want to take Bolden's place.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. All time. All time. All What a guy. Um, weirdly enough, he's kind of just out of the league by 2013. There's no drugs. There's no crime. He just fell by the wayside. Like he just was never seen again.
1: People, uh, weird. people were offering him too much money. He was like, nah, I want to stay a backup. <laughs> no, he's retired. Yeah.
0: The starting the starting life was not for him. Um, but yeah, really weird career for Steve Breston. An interesting pro football reference page because he has... This season is really good, and I think the next season he's pretty good, too. Um, and then it's just nothing. It's literally just nothing <laughs> from that point on. He has like a six-year career, and this is one of those years. Like, It's weird. Um and then, interestingly enough, their top rusher for that season, granted they were not a good running team at all, um, Edgar and James of Indianapolis Colts fame, uh, key player in the Colts Super Bowl teams, uh, a washed-up version of Edgar and James. I'm pretty sure he only rushed for like 600 yards this year because, like I said, they were not good. It was like 3.6 yards for Kerry. But Edgar and yeah. James, getting his name into a run there at the end. Hall of Famer, Edgar and James, I should mention.
1: Oh, is he in the Hall of Fame?
0: I'm almost positive. Here, you, I know you had some characters you wanted to bring up. I will, uh, I'll look that up. I'll fact check that.
1: Yeah, an- another one that was on that team is Tim Hightower. He was the backup. Backup running back. And I just remember watching on TV back then, even though I was young. like I was probably only like nine years old. But I just remember Tim Hightower being this absolute force of nature and he would just run through everybody. He was kinda like to me anyways, he was always like Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch was actually like he had the whole Beast Quake thing, I think only like a year or two later. But Tim Hightower would literally run through you and just keep going, dragging people on him.
0: Yeah, it uh fact check Edgar and James twenty twenty Hall of Fame induction ceremony so he was just recently entered and I'm looking this up real quick but Tim Hightower I'm pretty sure he ended up having a pretty long career on the Cardinals I think he was I think he stayed on their team for a while if I remember
1: correctly no I don't think so I think he I don't think he ever had no he didn't yeah yeah I I don't think he ever had like a thousand yard receiving uh, a thousand yard rushing season like his stats like I don't think they do him justice at all because I just remember I honestly remember him Just tearing. Yeah, the
0: most rushing yards he ever had in a season, 736 yards, which is the season after this. um, And is out of the 2008 to 2011, he's in the league three of those years on the Cardinals, one of those years on the uh, Washington football team, Washington Commanders. Um, Yeah. And then it's just like a four year gap. And then he comes back. He's on the
1: Saints practice squad. Saints
0: for two years. Yeah, Yeah. So. So
1: I remember we picked him yeah, up. I, and feel I was like dang, like, we got Tim Hightower. <laughs> and
0: I, was I feel like oh, I no, remember. I feel like I remembered him being on the Cardinals for a while, but it just wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm just manifesting that myself. Great
0: go- goal line back. Oh yeah, he
1: was like In the, uh, three he was on the, on the three Joel seasons Garrett he was
0: on the Cardinals.
1: On the three seasons he was
0: on the Cardinals, 23 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Yes. So, yeah, Tim Hightower. Shout out! Shout out, Tim Hightower. Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch light before Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) So on their way to the playoffs, the Cardinals, they enter as the four seed at nine and seven. Literally the worst record of any NFC team to make the playoffs. Um, Yeah. Only, only uh, the only team close was the Eagles who went nine, six and one. Um, Tied. I can't remember who they tied. It was some really bad team. It's the year that was the year Donovan McNabb said he didn't even know that you could tie in the NFL, and everyone was like, "Dude, you've tied a game before in your career. So what do you mean?" Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, So that tie ends up coming in handy for the Eagles, though. That will because they end up making the playoffs because of it. Um,
1: Steelers this year.
0: Yeah. So. And, and their tie was against the Lions. No, yeah. um, Cardinals had the third best offense in the league. They had 26.7 points per game. Pretty good. Really good, <laughs> actually. Can't believe that's third best. Almost 27 points per game. Um, and the fourth worst defense in the league. So they scored 26.7 points per game. They lit up 26.6 points per game. So just perfectly on track to be an 8-8 eight and eight team. Ended up being 9-7. and seven.
1: Yeah, Can it's was like the cat. It's like them. the Cowboys, like the Cowboys for all those years. No defense, just
0: air raid offense. Just try and score. Try and score points. And like I said, literally the worst record of any NFC playoff team, which is why it's so weird that they make the that they make the Super Bowl. Like no one expects them. It's it's like what the Bengals are doing this year, but if the Bengals were perfectly mediocre all season, yeah, like because the Bengals still had flashes. If the Bengals had the same offense, but their defense was just absolute Swiss cheese, that would be what the Cardinals did this year and still make
1: the still make the Super Bowl. It's like the anti Giants when they went on their run, it's like uh, the first run, where it's like the defense is really good, but the offense is like, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah,
0: the Cardinals, absolutely opposite in the playoffs first round they play the atlanta falcons who are 11 and 5 falcons are a slightly above average team number 10 offense number 11 defense um the cardinals
1: and rookie that? matt
0: ryan rookie matt ryan that's right Mike make the smith. playoffs 11 and 5 mike smith as a head coach mike smith i remember mike smith being a head coach you know who else yeah. i remember on that on that falcons team michael Black turner white
1: yeah him
0: too My, michael turner all-time dump truck guy.
1: Who's their tight? Ty- uh, was Tony Gonzalez there yet?
0: I don't know. I don't remember. I, don't um, know. I can fact check that real quick. But Michael Turner, all-time dump truck guy. Just you want to talk about a bruising back? Talk about zero speed and just truck just people. run through you. Just, just run, right run through right through you. Um, Tony Gonzalez. Let's see. And Roddy he's White.
1: Like the, he's like the last. I like him, Jerome Bettis, Marshawn Lynch, Tim Hightower, all guys. Where it's like, all right, go in. Try and get one yard for the first down.
0: So, fun fact, Tony Gonzalez, if you spell his name wrong with an S, is a American politician. Um, yes, out. he would be on the Atlanta Falcons for this run, would he? Had to be, right? Had to be. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to check this. Bad podcasting right here. For this season standings.
1: My bad. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have brought it. So. My bad.
0: No, actually, this is the year <laughs> before. This is the year uh, before. He's on their team. So. Yeah, he's still on the Chiefs at this point for one more year. Um, Cardinals defense really steps up in this game. The Falcons were held to 250 yards of offense, um, and there were three turnovers forced and three sacks. So. Kind of beating up on a rookie quarterback, but pretty good showing by the Cardinals defense. And this is—I'm not saying it's a trend of this playoffs, but there's a couple of spots where the Cardinals defense really us up big time for for them,
1: completely yeah, I, off of what the season was. Yeah, they went in 28th ranked in the league, and then they forced 12 turnovers in three games. And we'll get to we'll get to the divisional round where they played the Panthers.
0: <laughs> uh, oh god. Um, so before we get to that, Fitzgerald in this game. Eleven targets, six catches, 120 yards, one touchdown, and the touchdown was the opening 42-yard touchdown. Um, final score: Cardinals 30, Falcons 24. Wasn't really as close as um, the score said. The Falcons, I think, scored a late touchdown um, to make it seem like a six-point game. Uh, this is this is the most low-key game that Fitzgerald has the rest of the way. This is this, like. Six catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown is the worst game he has this playoffs.
1: Yeah, and it's still a very good game by anybody
0: stand here. Right. If, they, if he had done this performance and they lost, everybody would be like, oh, well, you know, Fitz gave it his all. Little did we know that he had so much more just waiting in his back pocket. Yeah. Um, so we move on to the second round. As you mentioned, <laughs> we have the one-seed Carolina Panthers. Who went twelve and four this year with Jake Delhomme
1: as a starting quarterback? Um, Jake Delhomme, man, like get to a Super Bowl. He
0: was the one seed.
1: Twelve and four. Um,
0: Basically, the 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 Cardinals, the Panthers' plan this year was just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They had the best rushing attack in the league, I believe. Um, They had had D'Angelo Williams. Rookie Jonathan Stewart with 800 rushing yards. And D'Angelo Williams, who, if you remember, he was also the guy that stepped in for Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell was out for, I think it was suspension, if you remember that, way like yeah. 2016 range. And he stepped yeah. in and was a great back. He had 1,500 rushing yards this year. So you yeah, have two backs combining for 2,300 yards. So
1: It was still Jake the year Del- of the running back, because Adrian Peterson, it was his second year.
0: Yeah, this, is, this we'll get to this later because um, I think you have something on it, but very different different how the league was shaped, you know. Oh, there yeah. were, There is no team that would get to the, that would be in the position the Panthers are at with just rushing. Like, if, even if you want to say the Titans, because the Titans run through Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill still has to be semi-competent.
1: Ryan Tannehill's still much better than Jake DeLone.
0: Right. Um, so Jake Dilhom's plan, the, Car- the Panthers' plan, was to pretty much just run the ball and Jake Delholm not turn the ball over. Let's just say he struggled with that this game. Oh,
1: um, <laughs> Probably the worst playoff performance ever.
0: He, he had a tough time. Uh, Jake Dillholm, probably not getting a beer paid for in any Carolina bars anytime soon. Um, <sighs> they go 12-4 and in the season, and their first game in the playoffs... Jake Delhomme throws five interceptions in this game. And he fumbled. And
1: he fumbled once.
0: And he so six turnovers. It's a miracle they got to thirteen points because they did. They yeah. got to thirteen points.
1: And like I said, like I, when I was going back looking up the stats and whatnot, I saw twelve turnovers in three playoff games. I was like, wow, they got four turnovers a game. And then I see, oh, Jake Delhomme threw five interceptions and fumbled once. That's half the turnovers.
0: Right That's there. half the turnovers right there. Right there. And they had the three turnovers in the Falcons game. So that's nine turnovers in two games right there. Um yeah. I remember uh watching Sports Center after this game happened and they had the it was the five dollar foot long commercial was was really big back
1: then. I was gonna bring this and up.
0: <laughs> they had the five interceptions commercial. Uh where is yeah. it five, five interceptions. Five interceptions. Five interceptions. Oh, um, who said that on SportsCenter? It had to be Boomer, right? I think it was like,
1: uh, was it? I thought it was like Fox NFL Sunday with like Michael Strahan.
0: Oh, maybe I don't remember, but it was, yeah, all time ga- I remember this game. This game was all time bad. It was just every single time he dropped back, you were like, yep, yeah, that's, that's turnover. Yeah. Yep, on Oh, Cardinals getting the ball back. Nothing was going right. Um, Cardinals win this game 33-13 to 13. like I said just a miracle the Panthers got to 13 points um, Jake Dale I don't think played another snap for the Panthers after this season I'd have to double check that I wish I had written this down um, one of the weirdest careers not to get too far into Jake Delhomme. one of the weirdest careers NFL careers ever like you said he gets to that Super Bowl against the Patriots um, just so odd <laughs> Yeah, Such a so
1: remarkably average human being.
0: <laughs> he plays he plays one more season for Carolina. Goes 4 and 7. There's eight touchdowns and 18 interceptions in 11 games. 11 games. To stress yeah. that to stress that the Panthers strategy this season was just don't let him throw the ball. He had 15 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Now, mind you, like I said, this is us saying Jake Delholm was just, don't give him the ball. 15 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, that's still five more touchdowns than four Arizona Cardinals quarterbacks through four in the 2010 season.
1: That's yeah. the stat I mentioned earlier. Those are like Jimmy Garoppolo numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think hey, that's an insult to Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Yeah, probably. um Jake Delhomme, weird career. 10-5, and 11-5, 7-6, and 2-1, and 12-4. Those are, those are the seasons where you had winning records. And then just none of those... There was never a time where you were like, Jake Delhomme. he's our guy. Like, like there was
1: going to Jake Delhomme's going to win the Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> actually, I take that back. 2004-2005. 29 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. 24 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. So...
1: There he you go, the Jake Delhomme, he the ball over.
0: He, he absolutely loved it. Uh, made a Pro Bowl in 2005. So, Jake hey. DelHomme, shout out. Don't think, don't think you're welcome in Carolina anymore. Um, all-time bad game. So, Larry Fitzgerald in this game, uh, let's see. 13 targets, 8 catches, 166 yards, and 1 touchdown. 166 yards. He didn't even have to. Like he could have he could have caught the ball one time and they still would have won the game, because Jake go was just tossing it to the other team whenever he got the chance. Um, so they move on. So at this point, they've now had a home game because they were the four seed and an away game to the Panthers, but they've now knocked off the one seed, and on the other side of the NFC bracket, the Eagles knock off the two seed in the NFC. So the Cardinals, who go into the postseason at nine and seven, have two home playoff games, including the NFC Championship game. Um, really weird time in the NFL. Really, the NFC was just not good. Like it. Yeah.
1: I got. The reason, I got more a big, on that too.
0: A big reason why the Cardinals make the playoffs is because the NFC is just Terrible. like weird. Weird. Yeah,
1: absolutely oh. terrible. I had um, the Vikings made the playoffs with Adrian Peterson. And a uh, 37-year-old quarterback, Gus Farratt. Farratt. Have you ever even heard of this guy? No. I actually no. saw this.
0: I did see this.
1: <laughs> Him and, like, Tavares Jackson, who was, like, 25 at the time. But uh, <laughs> I looked up, like, Gus Farratt because I was like, well, I need to figure out how to pronounce this guy's name, first of all. He's most notable for scoring a touchdown, and then he ran. You know, like the cement wall in the back with the pads on it. Yeah. He decided, mm, I just scored a touchdown. Let me headbutt that, concussed himself. He had to get it taken out of the game and went to the hospital later. Oh my god. Yeah, that was when he this... played for like the Washington Football. But um, Just. Yeah. Also, fun fun fact about that Vikings team. Kevin Stefanski was an assistant coach for that team all the way back then, and he's young now. So Thinking about how young he was back then, and well, Eric B., Eric B. Enemy was the running backs coach. He he was the running backs coach for Adrian Peterson in the second year.
0: That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, roster of
1: coaches there. Who was their head yeah. coach? Ah, uh, some like schmuck. I think Leslie Frazier. <laughs> I think Leslie Frazier was their defensive coordinator too.
0: Really good coaches on the Vikings. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, this is kind of just an overarching theme of the NFL during this time. It's the same reason why the Giants made the Super Bowl the year before. It's the same reason the Bears make the Super Bowl in two thousand six against the Colts. Like the yeah. NFC is just bad. It's bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's and just- it's
0: weird how. It's weird how we've gotten this complete flip of now the NFC is, like, really good and everybody,
1: you know. Uh, Yeah, it was, like, I think it was, like, two years ago, maybe, Two It was, like, dang, the NFC's going to dominate. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was also, like, now the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks. Herbert, Mahomes, like, I wouldn't count McCorkle in there. But But he's there. Yeah, he's there. Deshaun Watson, if he can get his situation figured out. Yeah,
0: um, it kind of flips. I think it starts flipping with the Saints the year after this, when they win the Super Bowl. Because then we get a good run where I think it's like, I think it's the Saints, the Packers, uh, the 49ers are in there somewhere. The Giants again, but they're much better the second time around than they were the first time around. Yeah. Um, So it really flips for the NFC after this, but there's just a stretch of years where the NFC is just putting out bad teams after bad teams. The Panthers made the Super Bowl in 2004. Like, just a tough time for the NFC. Who was the Bears
1: quarterback when they went to the Super Bowl? Rex Grossman. Wasn't it Rex Grossman? Yes. Yeah, like, he shouldn't be allowed in the playoffs. (laughs) The the Bears' best
0: scoring threat was their kick and punt returner.
1: Yeah, Devin Hester.
0: So, (laughs) um... Part of the reason that the NFC is so weird, I think a lot of it has to do with the next team that the Cardinals face in the third round, which is the Eagles. Because the Eagles are one of those teams where every year there's there was a time where the Eagles were legitimately like you'd look at them and be like, oh, they could do it this year. They had some good they have Donovan McNabb, who one of the more underrated quarterbacks in NFL history, Um,
1: cannon of an arm. Terrell Owens for a brief second there. Terrell I Owens, Brian
0: Westbrook Andy Reid as head coach which uh, I watched some of the highlights from this game Young Andy Reid Really weird sight to see He had a like an actual like, 5 o'clock shadow beard um, Yeah and he didn't have I don't think he had the
1: glasses yet
0: Yeah uh, I don't remember if he had the glasses Or not but it was just I I, I don't remember Watching Andy Reid and looking back it, Really weird sight but yeah, the Eagles kinda kinda contribute to this NFC being kind of average, because every year they're like, oh, they could do it, and every year they fell short. And that was how the whole narrative with Andy Reid started, where, you know, oh we can't win the big game, he can't win the playoff game. Yeah. Because it just it seemed like every year the same result. Eagles go in as like either the favorite or the second favorite to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC, and every year they fall short. Every yeah, single time.
1: It, and like you look at everybody else in the in like the NFC at the time and it's like even though the Eagles, I think they were like feet or something like that. Like it still felt like uh, they should probably be the best one in here because McNabb's better than the rest of the quarterbacks. I mean, Kurt Warner was probably the best. McNabb was up there. At this
0: point in his career, though, McNabb, McNabb would have been the best in the NFC, like you said.
1: Yeah, it's I like you never you never even you got there once.
0: Let's see. Going back to the NFL at that time. So, you had the Giants make the playoffs, right? Yeah, you had the Giants make the playoffs at 12-4 with Eli. Eagles make the playoffs with McNabb. Vikings make the playoffs with their plethora of quarterbacks. Um, Panthers and Falcons. A rookie, like you said earlier, a rookie Matt Ryan makes the playoffs. As, like, a formidable seed. Like, a five seed. Um... The Giants who kind of after their Super Bowl win have a couple good years there. Um but again yeah. that's that's Eli making the playoffs with them. And I mean Eli is a crunch time performer, but we can we can all say that Eli's there's been years where Eli's kinda eli it up, you know? Yeah, Eli fell off. So odd time that this year Eli twenty one touchdowns, ten interceptions. Um and then the Panthers with Jake home become the one seed, you know, so uh just bad time in the NFC. But then the Eagles, they make the conference championship. They beat the Giants, I believe, was who it yep. was. Yeah. Um and they barely made the playoffs. I just wanted to bring this up by beating the Cowboys in week seventeen. Um it was a win and in scenario for both teams. And of course the Cowboys just shit down their leg and tough. Yeah. The Eagles have- won forty four to six. So just wanted wow. to throw that in there as another failure moment for the Cowboys.
1: Blown <laughs> out, not even close.
0: Not was even it? close in a win and was scenario. Was it in Dallas? Uh, Do you know? I don't know where. I don't know where it was. I just know no, that not important. Not. I, <laughs> I didn't get that far that into the details. It, yeah, forty-four to six in a win in scenario. Um, just wanted to bring that up, just because as a Cowboys fan, that just sum, sums up the past twenty-five years. Um... The Cardinals, like I said, somehow get two home playoff games despite having the worst record of anybody coming into the playoffs, um, yeah. which is a huge advantage because, you know, obvious, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, this game is actually a pretty good game. Um, and at the end, I think the Eagles had a chance to like go down the field and either win or tie it up because the Cardinals take the lead with like two minutes left or something like yeah, that. Late. Yeah. And, uh, Eagles are driving down the field and I think there's a sequence of downs right before they the Eagles get the turnover on downs and the Cardinals lock it up um where McNabb which is kind of the story of his career too he has two throws where he has people like open for either a first down or significant yardage and misses them right and it's that kind of sums up Donovan McNabb's career, because in the same light where Andy Reid could never win that big game, Donovan McNabb was always a super talented guy who could just never put it together. You know, when you needed him to. He I think I think this game in particular kinda hurts Donovan McNabb's Hall of Fame chances. I don't know if he gets in. Um I don't think he does. But just this this instant where he I mean has a legitimate shot to send the Eagles to the Super Bowl against a team that's not good. Like, you could no. say, yeah, the Cardinals were the 4 seed, but the Cardinals were not a great team. Um, and like I beat. said, he just choked at the end, missed two big throws, and then kind of looked like he was pretty playing pretty tense out there. Like, everything was going 100 miles an hour. Um, Larry Fitzgerald in this game, this... This is the best game he has in the playoffs, to send them to the Super Bowl. Ten targets, nine catches, 152 yards, three touchdowns in the game. So yeah. to, this, to this point, Larry Fitzgerald has now scored five touchdowns in three games. And for some reason, I didn't write down the score of this game. So we're going to... We're going to go to that. So the Cardinals end up winning 32 to 25. So, like I said, the Eagles had a chance to go down the field and tie it up. And Donovan McNabb choked pretty much. Um, but yeah, Fitzgerald just eats him alive, clutches up, sends his team to the Super Bowl um, where they're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers this year are an entirely different team from the first time that they made the Super Bowl. Um, the first time they made the Super Bowl it was, it was, Defense, Big Ben not really doing too much. And this year, like Big Big Ben was good. Like he was really good. Yeah. Mike yeah. Tomlin's first Super Bowl as a head coach. Um first and then one thing I didn't remember was that Mike Tomlin went to the Super Bowl against the Packers with the Steelers when Aaron Rodgers won his first Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's been a long time since Mike Tomlin's been there. Um obviously it's not really fair with the Patriots and everything like that, but
1: Oh, yeah, but I mean, the Ravens got there, too. What's that? I mean, I mean the Ravens got this bowl over the paper. Right.
0: They um,
1: left went to the Broncos. They kind of became dominant, too. But
0: So this is maybe the first Super Bowl that I can fully remember, or at least I remember watching. Because even the David Tyree catch, I feel like I remember one play from it, but I don't remember the actual game. Um, This was a legitimately very good game. And again, the Cardinals kind of stepping up to the plate a little bit, especially the defense. Um, They're driving down the field at halftime. And at this point, the score is, I think, 10 to 7. Um, yeah. And real turning point in the game and something that kind of changes the course of history, at least in this game, uh, they're at like the it's got to be like the six like yard the line. Yards. yeah something That's like that they're to they're, to they're gonna score before the half and kurt warner kind of forces a throw and james harrison picks it up or picks it off and then runs 100 yards into the end zone for the touchdown at the end yeah. like literally the dying seconds of the half larry fitzgerald i remember in that play he got him. Chases him down for a hundred yards and nearly saves the play, but comes up just short. He crosses the goal line. Really changed the game at that point because the Cardinals were kind of hanging on and they were.
1: going to go in into halftime too.
0: Right, and it looked like they were going to go into halftime with the lead. They score there; it's fourteen to ten. Yeah, and instead it flips to seventeen to seven. And you have all that momentum too. Right, so. Um, Cardinals still keep it close. Larry Fitzgerald is doing his thing. You know he's going off. Right, eight targets, seven catches, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. That was his stat line from this game. Um, then at the end, this is the play. This is this is the biggest Super Bowl play that I remember. The catch, primar- like first, the catch by Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone. Big Ben oh, drag. Classic Big Ben. Everybody's falling around all over the pocket. He steps up and he delivers an absolute laser. And yeah. I don't even know how he like saw this because there were three Cardinals defenders in front of Santonio Holmes, and Santonio Holmes just kind of found a pocket in the back of the end zone. And Big Ben pr- looks like he's throwing it away. He looks like I was he's gonna say,
1: I was gonna say it was almost like he threw it to throw it out of the back of the end zone, <laughs> and Santonio right. Holmes just got it. And
0: Santonio Holmes, like you said, toe drag, fully extended, snags the ball, and when I tell you toe drag, the definition of a toe drag, like, like literally, could, like he could not have been any closer. Um, yeah. he catches it, he realizes he's just made the biggest play of the game, he sits in the end zone, he, he kind of holds the ball like it's his child at that point, Steelers are gonna the win game. the Super Bowl, right, yeah. they're, gonna, they're gonna win the game, um...
1: Just, just an incredible
0: mean, game, like I, I said, feel like that—that that Kurt Warner interception kind of robs us of a Larry Fitzgerald moment, yeah. you know? Because yeah, if, like, if they win that game, does Larry Fitzgerald win Super Bowl MVP? Probably. I feel like he has to, right? Especially after the playoff run, which yeah, adds hopefully. another thing to his
1: legacy. And where it would just be flat out
0: Kurt Warner, but right, um, something underrated in this game, so. After the Steelers pick it off and return it to the end zone for a touchdown, um, they come out in the half and they score another three points. Uh, Sorry, I got distracted. Um, They they get another three points. So at this point, it is to 20-7. The Cardinals rattle off 16 points in the fourth quarter. 16 unanswered points, starting from the seven-minute mark. And then they score. Their last touchdown comes at 237 on the fourth quarter, it's to take the lead. Too much time for Big Ben, it turns out, because then the Steelers score with 35 seconds left in the game. Um, not enough time for Kurt Warner. No, not enough time for Kurt Warner at all. They had Patrick Mahomes. Um, he only needs 13 seconds. But yeah, great game. Lawyer Fitzgerald, like I said, he wins Super Bowl MVP if they win this game. Um, Fitzgerald's 2008 playoffs final stat line, 42 targets, 30 catches, 546 yards, and 7 touchdowns. That's in four games. That's seven catches per game and well over 100 yards per game. Um, and almost two touchdowns per game. That's absurd. Um, 350 more yards than the next Arizona receiver. And like we said earlier, the Arizona receivers were not scrubs. Like They were pretty good. Um, yeah. And he accounted for over 50% of the Cardinals' offensive touchdowns. Because, like I said, the Cardinals couldn't really run the ball. 50%. Over 50%. In a playoff run. I guess the best of the best. Averaging two touchdowns per game. Almost. Like 1.8. Yeah. This is against good teams. Yeah, just absurd numbers. It's absolutely absurd. So... Let's move on to some unintended consequences of this. So, the biggest one that I had was that maybe the Cardinals don't trade Anquan Bolden a year later if the Larry Fitzgerald doesn't go on this run. So, kind of a negative one one that doesn't benefit the Cardinals. But, um, Anquan Bolden had been asking for a trade since 2008, um, since the Cardinals couldn't come up with an agreeable contract. Um, and the... Fitz's performance kind of made it clear that he was the number one on the team. I mean, people already knew that, but he was the number one on the team. Um, yeah. And Steve Reston's performance when Anquan Bolden went out said that he was probably like the number two, and which made Anquan Bolden expendable, you know, a receiver asking for a big contract. Um, but if they keep Bolden, it might have helped him against the Saints one year later in the playoffs when they lose in the divisional round. Because one of the things that happened in that game was that Larry Fitzgerald just could not carry the load. Offensively yeah. against the Saints, the Saints knew where the ball was going, and it was going to Fitz. And if they had Anquan Bolden, like it's, it might be completely different. Um,
1: yeah, the Saints would have had two guys to have to try and pay to take them out.
0: Legitimate receivers too. So kind of like this almost hurt the Cardinals in a way because it made Anquan Bolden expendable. Um, yeah. So I mean that that's my unintended consequence. I don't
1: know if you had anything. Yeah, mine would just be like if they didn't. Piece together this run. I mean, most likely, the Eagles with McNabb would have gone to the Super Bowl, and then if they win it, which I don't, I don't think anybody really would have beaten the Steelers. I think the Steelers probably still would have won. But like Eagles in the Super Bowl with McNabb, I mean, where you look at McNabb it and Andy changes Reeves, his legacy. Yeah, we look at them differently because Reed didn't win it until Mahomes. And then does Reed end up staying in Philadelphia for longer if they're able to win a Super Bowl that year? Right. Because, I mean, it's not like he was a bad coach when he left. Like, the team kind of declined. But no one was like, hey, Andy Reed's trash. Get him out of here. Like, they knew he was going to go somewhere else and just have success. It was kind of like kind of like what the Vikings have with Mike Zimmer this year. Where it's like, yeah, we know he's not bad. But it's, we just kind of need, like, a new face. A new something. And like But on a was, grander scheme Because Andy Reid had success Yeah And then I mean Even If they weren't able to beat the Giants that year Imagine if Eli had three Super Bowls <laughs> Imagine if the Giants got through and won this
0: Does that change his legacy I mean he's still a Hall of Famer But is it like Are we talking about Eli in a completely different stratosphere at that point Yeah
1: And then, know? He then has more Super Bowls than Peyton
0: Yeah Yeah So, um, was this run one of a kind? I don't think we've ever seen a receiver carry a team the way Larry Fitzgerald did. Um, It leads the NFL in most receiving yards in a single run, in most receiving touchdowns in a single playoff run in NFL history. Um, The only receiving run that really compares, uh, Jerry Rice in 1988 Also had an incredibly impressive run. He only played three games because they were the one seed or the two seed because they're the Niners. At that point, um, the Niners are dominant. He has 409 yards, which is 136 yards per game, uh, six touchdowns, and a Super Bowl MVP and a ring. So he he got the ring
1: that year. He got the ring.
0: And won the MVP of the Super Bowl. Um, In the Super Bowl, he had 11 catches for 215 yards and a touchdown. Compare that to Fitz, who threw four games, had 136.5 yards per game, so averages 0.2 yards more yards per game and seven touchdowns. Um and the Super Bowl has seven catches, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. So that's the only run that compares, but I really don't think that was I don't think I don't I still think I'd give the edge to Fitz just because Larry uh Jerry Rice, there were other good players on the Niners. Like it wasn't like, Jerry Rice or Bust, this was literally Larry Fitzgerald or Bust. Like, it was either he was going to do something, figure it out, or they were going to lose the game. So, I really
1: think it's one of a kind. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I think it is. But I think that, you know, as the NFL starts to transition into more, like, such pass-heavy offenses, like, we're going to see people that, like, just blow us away like Larry did. And, like, maybe not to the same extent because the quarterback has a lot more to do with it now, and we give the quarterback a lot more credit. But, like, I mean, this year, Cooper Cup, I mean, Cooper Cup has in three playoff games, and just went away on I me. Mean, he has like 387 yards, six touchdowns, 25, 26 receptions, and he right. still has the Super Bowl to play in. But once again, that's something where it's like he's not carrying,
0: like he's carrying the team, but he's not their own. Like they still have Odell on the team; they still have a great defense. You know, this was literally the, I say well, it's, it's one still- of kind, just just because it's Larry Fitzgerald or you're going home. And so I don't think another receiver has carried the team like that. I think it's just um, still,
1: like, it's just dominance.
0: Yeah. Um. So let's move on to the last segment because my computer is about to die here. Um. Legacy impact. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did this impact his legacy? I'll let you go first.
1: Uh, I would say probably a 10, given the fact that they really didn't have another run with him. Uh, they had one time with Carson Palmer where, you know, they got back to a point where it's like, oh, can Cardinals do it? Like, this was, this was it for the Cardinals. Like, they kind of, like you said, they kind of had that gap in between Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians. And the end of Kurt Warner where they were irrelevant. Like they couldn't do anything. Yeah. So Um, I mean without without this run, he's still good. He's still like, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. But this is like this is like legendary, like this is if you could just sum up Larry Fitzgerald, you would give them that playoff. Yeah. Um
0: I get that perspective. I said it was a five out of ten. Just because, like you said, Fitzgerald is still an all-time great with or without this run. This doesn't change, like, that part of the narrative. But having one of the greatest playoff runs by a receiver in history inevitably boosts his reputation, obviously. And I think you're right where I guess it does kind of, like, put him in a different stratosphere of players this run. Because if he doesn't have this run, he's just another, like, really good receiver who it never really happened might even
1: just be a stack
0: With with this run, it puts him in the converse like, there is a legitimate argument to be made to put him in the conversation with, like, the Randy Mosses and the Terrell Owens and stuff like yeah. that. Maybe not Hot Randy five. Moss, but Terrell Owens, you know, Hot Calvin Johnson. Ever. You know, who would you rather have, Calvin Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald? Like, there's a legitimate argument to be made, you know? Uh, I would take Calvin Johnson. I would take Calvin Johnson, too, but, <laughs> if, I mean, if you're gonna get, like, do I get all 14 years of really good Larry Fitzgerald? Like, if that's the case, I'll take that. 10 times out of 10, you know? Um, and the fact that he was just so clutch. And this this added to that narrative that he's just a clutch performer always comes through. And like I said, if they win that Super Bowl, he probably gets the MVP. And now we're talking about him. If he wins the Super Bowl, gets an MVP, are we talking about him as a top three receiver? Like, is Maybe. that how much that weighs? You know? How much does the Super Bowl MVP for a wide receiver play into the equation? Because on one hand, you have Jerry Rice, who has Super Bowl MVP. On another hand, you have Deion Branch, who has Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. So,
1: but, I mean, I don't think Randy Moss never did.
0: No, Randy Moss never won a ring. Yeah. So, I think, I think we're talking...
1: But then Michael, wins, Ever- Michael Irvin won three rings. Yeah. You know, up that high.
0: Um, if he had won the Super Bowl and won the MVP, which I think he would have, uh, this is a 10 out of 10. Uh, absolutely, because now we're talking about oh, yeah. him. top two, top three all time. Is he better than Randy Moss? Those like, would if, be the first two. This would be the first having.
1: two accomplishments,
0: right? Um, and then, but without it, I think it just like it maybe bumps him like where let's say before you would have ranked him as a top ten receiver. Now you rank him as like a top six. You know, so it's a it's a little it's a significant bump, but not enough for me to say that it's a full ten. Maybe I'd give it a seven. I'll adjust that. It's a seven out of ten. Because it does play a role in his legacy overall. So, Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest receivers that we've ever seen in the time that we've lived and watched the NFL. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on
1: Fitz? Uh, Not really. I, just, I You just got to think and wonder what maybe he could have been if he ended up going to a different team. If that was more of the sports culture back then where mobility was more you know praised and whatnot but i I don't i feel like if you would ask him he would say that he has no regrets being with the cardinals his whole career but like just imagine what he could have been if he got to a place maybe like new england like he'd be the greatest he'd probably be the greatest wide receiver in their history
0: right and the the odd part is about that top end of the draft, there's no teams that you could say he'd go to and it'd be any different. Because like if the Raiders pick him, there's no quarterback in Oakland. If the yeah. Chargers pick him, they don't get Phillip Rivers. Or, you know, they if the Giants pick him, they don't get Phillip Rivers. You know, that sort of thing. So there's no quarterback yeah. there. So there's no team that could, like, switch it up and, and his career is any different at least in that top five. And he was never dropping below the top five. So...
1: Yeah, I think people, I think also today, like, people would be more, I feel like he would get traded by the Cardinals organization themselves, because we're in, like, a more pass-heavy, like, wide receivers are seen more as assets, Mm -hmm. like they were back then, too, but, like, now it's like, oh, I need a one, like, I need a guy, and back then it was like, oh, I can run the ball, I can be consistent, I can... Mix it up with run and pass. Now it's like, yeah, no, I need I need to be able to run the... I need to be able to pass the ball consistently and just make plays happen with my quarterback, with my star wide receiver. And, like, I think a lot of teams would give up. Maybe one won a first and, like, a third for Larry Fitzgerald, like, in the back half of his career, and he would be able to make a run, possibly get that Super Bowl ring, possibly have another great... Playoff run, and then we'd be completely talking like top three.
0: Yeah. So, um one of the maybe one of the best, like, do the best with what you have careers that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely taking advantage of every single ounce of talent that he had. I don't think there's a universe where Larry Fitzgerald goes to the Cardinals and is any better. You know, this is the best. No, the he doctor. did, he did about everything he as much as he could. And a legendary career. One of the best receivers of all time. Um, I mean, what's not to be said about Larry Fitzgerald? Especially this run. This run is incredible. I don't think... I really... I struggle to see another time where we'll we'll see another run like this. Because it's just... It's next level. So, that's the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed, make sure to like, subscribe to the podcast.